This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. everyone and welcome to another episode of Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. Hello! As we've mentioned in a few of our previous episodes this season, wellness, which we've put in quotes, is a term that's bandied around a lot without a real sense of what it means. To talk through the word itself and how our relationships with wellness has evolved as we hit different life milestones, we're joined by Women Who Travel contributor and brand strategy and marketing consultant Shanika Hillux and Evelyn Escobar, founder of Los Angeles-based Hike Club. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for having us. I'm excited to be speaking with you. Yes, thank you so much. So you've both had pretty momentous 12 months. Um, Shanika, you stepped back from corporate life and launched your own consulting firm. And Evelyn, you've added a precious new addition to your family in the form of your daughter. As you've both hit these major milestones and your lives have inevitably changed, how has your relationship with wellness evolved? You know, having that experience of like actually creating life and then birthing said human and then becoming two, you know what I mean? Um, everything changes. So of course my view of wellness is completely different. I think before I was so much harder on myself. I didn't give myself much room to just like live. You know what I mean? I kind of felt the pressures and the expectations of what society has sort of shaped wellness to look like. And now I strive to live like a big soft life. <laughs> So I feel like it's a much more human definition of what wellness is. And it's also so much nicer, so much kinder. So I, I like this version of wellness. I like what it means to me now much more than before. I love that. Um, I did not birth a human, but I did birth a business, as you mentioned, Meredith. And I think for me, even prior to kind of officiating that transition for myself professionally, the pandemic, as well as just some intimacy in, in relationships that I was having with my grandma, who is from the Caribbean, and kind of just getting back to basics and, and really going back to things that I was foundationally raised on. I actually grew up and was raised Seventh-day Adventist and um, a part of that holistic kind of approach to um, lifestyle is 
Sabbath and taking full rests. And um, now there's this interesting kind of sentiment that rest is revolutionary and it, it feels very organic to me. So just returning back to things where I am totally, completely not engaging on social, whether that is via social media or, you know, socially in person with folks um, and just really taking time to allow myself to rest and not feel guilty about it. I also, to Evelyn's point, I think there was definitely pressure. Oftentimes I find that in traditional corporate settings, you're like balancing out the going out and the drinking and the dining and then saying, all right, like then the weekend, we're gonna go ahead and do like a high intensity training class or do yoga. And instead of reserving those things for a weekend or using it as a way to almost counterbalance, I find that I am prioritizing that throughout my day in whatever way that looks like, whether it's biking to go grab my groceries or taking my coffee not at my desk because I'm trying to answer something at 9 a.m. for, you know, the rest of my team, but then enjoying that outside and then maybe taking my calls pretty intentionally outside in the morning, you know. So I would say those little pivots have really helped me show up for my best self. And when I do that, I'm allowed and, and give my clients kind of the best of, of what I can offer. Shaniki, you mentioned your grandmother and also um, kind of being raised to acknowledge Sundays as a day of rest, which is really interesting to me because I feel like, you know, obviously every family has its own attitude towards wellness, as well as it being something you discover in your own adult life. Were there any wellness practices that you grew up with or that you saw women in your family practice and you've suddenly, as you've got older, thought, huh, Maybe I want to weave that into my own life. I would have to start with my grandma. I mean, for folks who follow me on social, I definitely have showcased her. I think she's, um, as I've kind of come into my own womanhood and adulthood, has become just such a solid person in my life. And um, some of the things that I can recall from a child just observing her is like the simplicity in her skincare routine, Noxzema and Pons, like two drugstore things. That's all she's ever used ever. And, you know, with the upswing of like, beauty and 25 step skincare routines after kind of breaking through all that noise I found that hey you just need to kind of get cleanser toner moisturizer SPF like you're good um I would also say you know farm to table for what it's worth but being of West Indian descent like growing your own food and having that available to you and putting that on the plate is something that I approach in my own wellness like I try to eat as seasonally as possible. I think being in New York City, we have the farmer's market. So kind of understanding how that kind of works for me and my body. And then, yeah, Lale, to your point, we actually, SDA, they observe Saturday as the Sabbath. But just having that uninterrupted time where it's like, hey, from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, like Friday night, I actually try and reserve to not really go out and just wait until Saturday. So just recognizing how that feels super holistic and balanced for myself in adulthood. Evelyn, how about you? Yes. Yeah, so I guess to the point of, you know, sort of these family traditions that have been passed down or that you've witnessed, I displayed that in a really big way after giving birth. So growing up, you know, I I actually did not know that it was called a cuarentena, which translates to quarantine in Spanish. But I knew that after a woman gives birth, all the women in the family come to support her. And, you know, whether that's uh, making food, just doing everything that they can do to make sure that all she's worrying about is learning how to breastfeed or tending to the baby and everything else is taken care of. You know, the house is being cleaned, uh, food is being made, all of that. So after I gave birth to Isla, 
I tapped into this, you know, ancestral practice really in a way that I had never seen before. So I really committed to it. I stayed in bed, um, you know, in my room for those 40 days and there's three floors in my house. So I did not go down a flight of stairs until a month after (laughs) I had given birth to her, you know, I took it really seriously. Um, because, you know, after you give birth, you have a wound the size of a plate and we don't talk about those things enough and you know the importance of rest and the importance of taking care of yourself and placing that spotlight on yourself and your own care because if you're good if you're you know functioning at your best your baby is inherently going to be functioning at their best as well so you know I think this last year with the pandemic with being pregnant, um, having all of these experiences, it was definitely a sort of return to home in that sense. And I think also the work that, you know, I do with Hyaclerb really is that too, you know, being of indigenous descent, my grandmother is Maya Kiche, which is indigenous to Guatemala. And, you know, having that connection to the land, you know, being black, just all of these different components of myself that I, carry with me in anything that I do. You know what I mean? Uh, there was definitely a call for me to start something like High Club, which essentially is reconnecting others to their self through nature and sp- more specifically women of color. And I've definitely done a great deal of listening. And, you know, those little seeds that were planted as a kid growing up, seeing sort of these wellness practices play out around me, I fully immersed myself into them. And it's been honestly the the biggest game changer. You know, I've been able to dive into my wellness journey, which is also essentially a healing journey in a way that the other women in my family may not have been able to. And and through my expression of this, now they are taking it a step further. So it's been really cool to see that like full circle moment. You use the word journey and I want to call that out just because like finding what works for you when it comes to wellness is not like, uh, okay, I read this one story and like, I'm just going to do this 25 step beauty routine or whatever it is. And that's going to help me breathe and and rest and find joy and all those other things that wellness can bring. I'd love to know when you think back, say, like the last 10 years, which I know feels like a lifetime at this point, with what the last two years have been like, but what has that been like for you in learning to take care of yourself and finding that balance of like what actually works for you when it comes to wellness? You know, it's so funny. I actually just did this little like journaling prompt the other day where I literally just like drew a flower and, you know, like water being poured onto the flower, the grass, the sun. And because when I think about wellness in that sense, you know, we're all these like unique species that need a really unique combination to thrive. You know, just like a house plant you might buy, one might need bright light, one might need, you know, indirect light everyone has sort of their recipe. And so for me, when I was doing this little prompt, I had for movement, like dancing, yoga, hiking, walking, riding my bike, all of these like really organic sort of ways to express movement as a human being. You know, I think before the pandemic, like uh, to Shanika's point, talking about, you know, TRX classes and things like that, like I was definitely... (laughs) 
you know, doing sort of the most when it came to like movement and exercise. But I've realized that when I think about movement as exercise, I'm so unmotivated and it does not inspire me to continue going. So I need really organic ways to move my body to feel good and feel connected in that sense. And then, you know, other things like I need time to do nothing. I need time to sit here and maybe watch RuPaul's Drag Race if I want to or stare at the wall. I mean, downtime is just as important as, you know, quote unquote, productive time of you actually whittling away at a task and just making sure I'm factoring that into my day, literally putting a block on my calendar that says do nothing and allowing myself to do that graciously. You know what I mean? So just um, natural movements, giving myself to rest, to do nothing, um, making sure that, you know, I'm nourishing my body, but also giving myself the flexibility to eat that cookie that I want to eat and not feel some type of way about it. And also just actually getting sunlight, like just sitting out in the sun, you know, being outside, even if I'm not actually moving is also so important. So yeah, I think, you know, if we all think about ourselves as these flowers or plants, whatever you prefer to be, and what that natural sort of recipe is to you that over time, you've been able to sort of realize and like prescribe yourself. It really is such a game changer because then you can look at your day and be like, okay, I can structure it to make sure I'm giving myself all of these touch points and also getting the things that I need to get done in an organized way, an intentional way, really. Shanika, what has that learning process been like for you? As you were asking Evelyn this question, I immediately thought about my relationship to urgency or perceived urgency or assumed urgency. I think, you know, 10 years ago, Shanika would pride herself on getting to like inbox zero and addressing every single email that would come through, even if it had really no true like relevance for the immediate tasks that needed to be done at hand. And also how that overproduction and the way my nervous system would almost like drum up with just like all of this anxious energy. Um, And so now, and I have really learned how to exercise. I don't even want to hang my hat on the word boundaries, more so than like advocacy for myself. And from the jump, just to kind of help manage how I am going to be approaching the way that I do work. And that comes in the form of a bounce back that I have had on nearly indefinitely. And it helps me feel okay to answer and respond in a way that is comfortable for me, in a way that helps me prioritize the inquiries that might be coming in and whether or not they're relevant to what I need to be doing. Um, And I also too have been a little bit more transparent in the way in which I onboard clients as well. And I've had that discussion with them to say, okay, what forms of communication would you like for more urgent matters versus those where we're just kind of handling the day-to-day tactical execution of whatever it might be, you know? So that is kind of the first answer that came to my mind as you were, as you were asking that question. I don't want to make you have to pull up your Gmail, but could you read your, uh, like your mouse back? Because masterful. Sure. I mean, it just says, hi, thank you for reaching out. I'm exercising ruthless prioritization, which involves spending less time on email and more time collaborating, creating, and taking care with a clearer head and in the real world. If you're reaching out regarding a time-sensitive opportunity, please follow up with urgent in the subject line or text me. If we're already in touch about a business critical matter, I will respond. I look forward to connecting with this new approach in mind. Best, Shanika. Love it. I want that framed or stitched on a pillow or something. (laughs)
I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new a translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. I'm oh. really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I'm, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. <laughs> he can't stop. I mean, and, and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) Have you ever owned something that inspired you to level up? For me, it's my hiking boots, which have gotten me over some pretty tough terrain. And I'm not talking about my morning commute on the New York City subway. They've pushed me to go to far off places like trekking in the remote mountains in Patagonia, wildlife spotting amid the thick rainforest of the Amazon, and climbing through canyons in the Utah desert. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. There's an available panorama glass roof, 33-inch all-terrain tires, and multi-terrain select driving modes. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior means that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Shanika, I loved when you said it was about advocating for yourself. And I think that is such a great way to think about it. And sort of to that point, I think wellness often feels intrinsically selfish Um, in many ways, or at least we've been led to feel that way. How do you both ensure that you're taking the time to take care of yourselves and to not have that little voice in the back of your head that you should be being more productive or you should be devoting that time to people in your life or other needs? Hmm. This is an interesting question because I think I can sometimes like vacillate between like, I'm going to block off the calendar or my ideal approach is really integrating touch points of wellness for myself every day. Like I think one of the biggest things that I embraced in quarantine was my morning routine and how much grace that allowed to give myself just in terms of pouring into myself first before I had a very digital focus, calls back to back, Zoom fatigue type of day. And so I try to stick to my morning and my evening rituals as much as possible. Um, And that kind of has helped me embrace just the quiet of the day, 
making myself a breakfast and the intimacy that that brings for me to myself, listening to a podcast without like multitasking. So that way I can really kind of engage in whether it's something like Michael Barbaro or like some crime podcast or whatever, just giving myself that moment where it has nothing to do with productivity and everything to do with just enjoyment or entertainment or informative opportunity. And then um, I also wanted to mention, and I think this is something that I really admire about Evelyn too, is how wellness as well, we're talking about self and selfishness, but I also can't ignore how integration of like community is so important to my wellness. Um, and whether that's, you know, individuals whom you bond over while basking in something like nature or having affirming friends who see you in all ways, shapes and forms. That is also something that I have really embraced as I continue to evolve my relationship with wellness. Yeah, to that point, I think we have been so led astray from ourselves when we think about care and the fact that the word selfishness comes up, you know, when we think about caring for ourselves, when really that is essential to our well-being and to our work, I guess, as human beings, being a part of larger communities, it all starts with the self and that sort of relentless care that, uh, you know, making sure that you have your mask on before you start to put it on others. And I think becoming a mother and, and this last year of that transition, I've really learned, you know, how important it is to be quote unquote selfish and how that word doesn't necessarily need to have the negative connotation that we take. I mean, when we think about it, you know, it's like we have this little like capitalist troll in our minds being like, you need to work all the time. Don't take care of yourself. That's self. You know what I mean? It literally goes against our entire being. So I've, I've just been unlearning and unraveling in that way, sort of talking back to them and being like, no, what you're saying is selfish or what you're saying not to do is actually all the things that I need to do. And I actually do need to take time for myself. And I think that little voice never goes away, you know, just in the same way where people are like, oh, this is like my final form or whatever. Like we're always on this journey. We're just, you know, collecting more experience, collecting more data to make better decisions, to talk to ourselves in kinder ways. And with that voice, that voice is never going to go away because, well, this is the society that we live in. But it's about having that conversation with that little voice and saying, no, no, I don't need to listen to you right now. Or, you know, Shanika talked to our nervous system and how wired we are for urgency. Like when I feel that anxiety being like, okay, I understand. I have some things to do. They will get done, but we're not going to stress ourselves out about this right now. It is unnecessary. So just having those conversations with myself, being kinder to myself, giving myself grace have truly changed everything for me. And in the same way, I have been able to become that like softer, more tender, kinder version of myself to others too. And I can extend that grace and I can help others along the way in a way that makes them feel more comfortable, makes them feel led to themselves and empowered to also treat themselves with the same kindness. So yeah, it really all starts with yourself and it really all starts with that little conversation and that little knack that we all inherently have that, you know, does serve a purpose. You know, when we talk about things, it's always so polarizing too, like anxiety is bad, uh, you know, this, that, and the other, but anxiety serves a purpose. And, you know, that 
anxiousness, that act to urgency has led me to create some really amazing things, but I don't need that feeling all the time. You know what I mean? And I need to know when to discern it from a useful, a useful feeling to when it's just kind of going down a more, let's say, toxic use. So all that to say, take care of yourself in all of the ways that you could ever need, period, and don't feel bad about it in any way because no one unfortunately, is going to take care of you the way that you need. And we just need to do it ourselves and be relentless in that pursuit. And being a mother has taught me that more than ever. You know, you talked earlier about, you know, your community showing up for you in those very early stages of motherhood. And to what Shanika was saying earlier, I'd love to know how community plays I mean, it's like the foundation of Hike Club, but how it plays into the work that you've been doing with Hike Club. Absolutely. I mean, community is just the foundation of myself. And naturally, it is the foundation of Hike Club. You know what I mean? When I talk about just like how far I've come and, and things like that, it's always because of the love and work of others. You know what I mean? Starting with my grandmother, starting with my aunt, starting with my family, my friends, and High Club is truly no different. I think when you are doing something from your heart and something that, you know, you are uniquely called to do, that others feel that and they show up and, and showing up they're also showing up for themselves after every hike. You know, I always tell everyone to thank themselves for showing up and getting out and moving their body and being in nature because ultimately we're doing it in community, but it is a self-care practice. And it's just amplified by being around other like-minded people who are also saying, hey, I'm willing to get out of bed at nine o'clock in the morning and drive somewhere in LA to hike with all of these people. So yeah, I, I always say in the last few years, the tides have turned between like the terms girl boss, which we all all used to be like, oh, we are girl bosses and like being self-made and all of these things. And now it's transitioning to no, actually, like all of these things are community made. None of us got here on our own and none of us will ever move forward on our own. Shanika, you've written about and been involved in the food and beverage space for a large part of your career. And to me, that space is, and I'm sure we'll all agree, is so much about community and the, the sort of collective experience and of sharing something. Um, and I feel like with wellness and food, I, you know, sometimes I think people think of spa food. How do you perceive just, eating just well? Just cucumbers and... <laughs> Yeah, things you just water with some mint in it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that you ask this question because, you know, I'm putting on my former like PR hat as well as writing hat. And yeah, it's like, what food trends will be forecast for the upcoming season, similar to fashion? It's like, okay, what are the girls going to be sipping on and like <laughs> nibbling on? <laughs> and I think returning back to a lot of our foundational elements is so key, right? There's so much noise in the ether. I think there's always some sort of article or, or expert or person or talk show host advising to do XYZ because this is the trend right now. And for me, I find that anytime I am rattled with trends in my head, like I can't truly make an informed decision. Um, and so for me, that, that really 
is important to kind of clear all that noise out. And especially in the food and beverage space, I am really refreshed by a lot of the narrative that is actually changing. Because to Evelyn's point, I think a lot of people over the past couple of years have just returned back to themselves, whether it was cooking a meal that their mother used to make because of nostalgia and with us being kind of within the four walls of our homes, just hanging on to something that felt nourishing or that felt reminiscent to family or close ties or a trip that was really nourishing. Um, You know, I know that prior to our recording, we were talking about my most recent trip to Nicaragua and Casa Violeta, and I just can't describe how wonderful it felt to even like return back to like the traveling Shanika who wasn't necessarily organizing a trip because of some journalists that were coming with me or trying to do a research um, proposal for a potential piece. Like it felt so nice just to be out in the world and connecting and speaking a language that I really love and trying food just because without having to write something about it. And so that place was not on my list of things. It wasn't something that I sought after on like a, you know, an article or something. I just felt called. I wanted to support someone in my community, um, as we all know, Catalina. And and it, I just felt called to say, hey, like, I'm going to honor myself and give myself this vacation to nourish myself. It's winter in New York. By the time I go, I'll need a bit of a reset. And I want to connect with really wonderful friends who I know will also appreciate this. And, and kind of everything kind of came together. And I was really pleased with just making that decision for myself. Oh, that feels like kind of a perfect place to wrap. And we will link Catalina Mayorga's amazing Casa Violeta in the show notes. And you should also look at Shanika's Instagram for any inspiration about planning a trip there. Um, if people want to keep up with you, Shanika, where can they find you on the internet? At Shanika Hillax, first name, last name, no space, on Instagram. And Evelyn, where can people follow you and Hike Club? Um, you can follow me at Eve Meets West, E-B-E Meets West, and Hike Club. Yes, it's really called Club, C-L-E-R-B. We are on the gram. Amazing. I'm at Oh Hey There, Mayor. I'm at Lale Hannah. Be sure to follow Women Who Travel on Instagram, at Women Who Travel, and sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter. Thank you both so much for joining us, and we'll talk to everyone else next week. Are you ever minding your own business when you start to wonder, how do killer whales work? Who are Hollywood's paparazzi? Did British sailors get it on in the 1800s with each other? I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week on Getting Curious, I sit down for a gorgeous conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. Honey, we explore everything around here with scientists, historians, activists, entertainers, and other brilliant guest experts. You can join me every Wednesday for an all-new topic with an all-new expert on Getting Curious. Listen to Getting Curious wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.